0: Good deal. So uh, I do kind of talk kind of loud, so just kind of be prepared there. To... All right. If you got a Bible, turn to 1 John. <laughs> 1 John. While you're turning there, I'll give you some introduction information here. Um, if you don't have a Bible, get out your phone, Google 1 John ESV, and you can follow along directly. All right. It's going to be important for you to have access to the Word so you can see it for yourself. And if you can't, I'll explain it to you as well. But I want you to get in that habit. We already are here since so it's a church that does a good job preaching the Word. So the, the, the point being, though, that my authority as a preacher only comes from the Word of God. So as I explain to you the Word of God, you can look and you can say, Hmm, Keith, I don't see that. And you can disagree. Or you can look and go, Oh, I do see that. And now when you agree with the Word, when you see it in the Word for yourself, it becomes yours. It's not based upon my opinion. My job is to help you see it. To make application as well, but the authority that I have when I say, "Thus saith the Lord," it only comes from the Word of God. The Word of God is eternal. So, as you turn to First John here, I'll give you a little bit of intro here. Again, my name is Keith. I just started here as the associate pastor. Gotta you up front, first of all, I am not cool. Okay, so just go ahead and prepare. Just prepare. I am not cool like Matthew, Mister Matthew. he's a cool dude. I am not that guy. I'm, I mean, I'm older losing my hair, I don't know how to dress, just, I'm just not cool, so just go ahead and get that out of your head, okay, uh, that don't, don't wait for the cool guy up here, he's right, I am sarcastic, now I do tend that to tone it down a little bit during a sermon, but you'll hear it every once in a while, so, uh, so to be prepared there as well, it, he calls it a spiritual gift, I'm not sure about that, it's probably a uh, non-spiritual gift, but the point is, it, it, it does leak through sometimes, so be prepared for that possibility as well. Uh, I do want to tell you, I'm excited to be here. Excited opportunity. I'm, I'm working about five hours a week, so give me a little bit of room there to kind of, kind of grow a little bit, some. But this is kind of my first. I did youth ministry for a while when I was in seminary, um, but my first job since sort of in a church, as a, in a pastoral role. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I'll tell you up front, I don't have a lot to offer, but Jesus. And so, okay. if you want Him, I got Him. I can show you. I can point you to Him. Okay. But I don't, I'm learning a lot of stuff here. I'm learning how to do pastoral ministry. I'm learning how to work with people. I'm learning a lot of things as well. So please be patient. Um, I, I mean, it's only part time, but I'm going to do what I can. But what that also means is hey, if you feel like I've done something to offend you, come tell me so I can learn. That will help me. So don't, don't hesitate there if I've messed up somewhere. And, and if you get to know me very long, I will offend you. So uh, um, it just. It, it, that's right. Exactly right. It tends to happen. So you can ask my family. uh... But you got it memorized, right? You got it memorized, right? Exactly right. So, yeah. I will tell you this. Here's the thing, friends. A lot of you have sight, but if you can't see Jesus like Willie does, you don't see anything that matters. Okay? So just be prepared. As we go through the Word, and if you don't see those things, cry out to God for those eyes. All right? So, thanks, brother. All right. So, in 1 John here, I'm going to go 1 through 5. I was going to do 1 through 10, but that would have been like three sermons, so let's not do that. I'm going to go 1 John 1, 1 through 5. But what I want to do before that, if you can hold your spot there, and just, if you want to, you don't have to, but I'm going to read this part to you so you can, you can hear it. It's just kind of funny. Um actually it even be easier if I did it on my phone so I won't lose my spot but uh, so I was working through so Matthew said hey can you preach this Sunday you know this is a couple weeks ago and I said sure I'd love to and I said you know what do you, you preach through and uh, I love sequential preaching I love going through the book of the Bible like he's doing I think that's awesome it gives you the full counsel of the word it's a good thing for about a thousand reasons okay. so even though it may feel sometimes kind of long it's a good thing so he said well why don't you just keep going what I'm going through and just pick up where I left off and I'm like sure I'd love to that's awesome that's what I want to do and then I was thinking about it some and, um, and working through it a little bit. And I thought, you know, this is my first Sunday kind of, kind of around here. I've been here about two or three weeks total. Maybe I should focus more on my testimony. Maybe I should tell you more about who I am and what I've been doing and so you can get to know me a little bit better. So I just wish share my testimony during the sermon instead of, instead of preaching through, through the uh, book of John. And Matthew said, that sounds fine. It's a great idea. But then <laughs> I was reading... So if, so if you remember last week, John, uh, Matthew preached through John 8, 1 through 12, okay? If you have a Bible want to look, here's John 8, 13. In other words, the next verse. If I had picked up where he left off, here's the verse I would have preached on. The Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. <laughs> so... I thought maybe I shouldn't do my testimony, <laughs> because the verse kind of just says don't do that. So, uh, so I decided kind of against going through, maybe kind of doing a little bit of a, a hybrid here. I decided to go First John. First John, I'm gonna, I am going to incorporate a little bit of who I am in, my, in the in the sermon, but I'm still going to preach through the word and then Amen. use that as illustration some. So, if you're in, if you have your Bible in First John chapter one, I'm gonna read to you. This is verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. That we have heard and seen, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father, with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have and heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Let's pray. Father, we want to now, as we come before You to hear Your Word, we want to see this reality, that You are light. There is no darkness at all in you. Help us to understand your word. God, I pray you would help me as I teach it and proclaim it, as I explain it to people. Father, that we would, we would see it together and help us to apply it to our lives. Because if we don't apply things to our lives, there is really no point. Amen. God, help us to do that for your glory. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, what I want to do starting off with here is to help you see sort of the main point. So we're working at five verses here. One simple technique to understand how to say the Bible is to look for what is the main point of the passage. So I went through those five verses and I just kind of worked through it some. And if you're an English person, I say you did well in school in English, you may remember diagramming sentences. And one of the things you do in diagramming sentences is you want to find the primary subject and the primary verb. So you look through the section you're working through and you find out where is that focal point? Where do I want to zoom in on? Well, I think that's in verse 3. So look at verse 3 here. So 1 and 2, he kind of gives some background. We have seen, we've heard, and things like that. And he says in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. In other words, the first real substantive verb is in verse 3, we proclaim. So we're going to focus, first of all, on our main point being, we proclaim. Okay? So we're going to talk through now in our, in our sermon here, we're going to talk through who, are the, who is the we what are they proclaiming, and why? Okay? So our, our main point here is we proclaim. As we look again at the Scriptures, we understand those things from the authority of Scripture. We see there this idea in verse 3. We proclaim. We proclaim to whom? We proclaim to you. All right, now, he says here, and uh, let's, let's look first of all here at the idea of see and heard. All right, so he says, what we have seen and heard, this is verse 3, we proclaim to you. Now, in verses 1 and 2, he gives us some more information. So let's look back in verse 1, which you saw from the beginning. You see, verses 1 here, it says, "...which we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, we have touched with our hands." So he heard these things. He heard Jesus talking. He heard Jesus teaching. Remember, you're going through the book of John. That is John's record of what Jesus said and did. And 1 John is actually a letter that John wrote to a church. And John is saying, Hey guys, I was an eyewitness. I walked with Jesus. So if you're wondering what he said and did, I can tell you because I was there. And as you know, that has such power. When you ask somebody a question and you get information from someone someone who talked to someone, who talked to someone, who talked to someone. you're getting a little bit suspect, right? But when you go to the actual person, you say, what happened? And they go, this is what happened. It carries a whole lot more weight, and it should. John says, we heard it, okay? We heard it. I heard Jesus say these things. I heard him tell people they were healed. I heard him proclaim his love. I heard him pre- preach judgment. I heard it all. I heard it, okay? Okay? He says, We have seen with our eyes. He says, Guys, I was watching. I saw Jesus. I saw him walking. I saw him touching people and helping people and helping people up and holding people. And I saw him um, uh, 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 throw tables. I saw it. I saw it. And then he says, We looked upon. And that word actually goes a little bit deeper. It's kind of like the difference between I saw something at a distance. In other words, I saw my physical eyes. I could see what happened. But looked upon means I actually went and I checked it out. I got a little closer. I was actually not just watching Jesus heal at a distance. I was actually standing right next to him. I actually heard him whisper. I was right there. And not only that, I wondered what was going on. I thought about it. You know, at the end of John, John says, I write these things to you so that you may know that he is the Son of God. And John is saying, I looked into this. When Jesus said things, I asked questions. When Jesus did things, I looked up what he was doing. I found the verses in the Old Testament that would explain his actions. And a lot of times I was confused, but I kept asking and I kept inquiring. And I kept following. And I wondered, why? Why is he doing these things? I looked into. I considered. I didn't just see it at a distance. I actually asked questions. I actually dug in. And I touched. He was physical. He was there. When he hugged, I felt the love of God. When he was standing next to me, I could put my hand around him and pat him on the back. Or he patted me on the back. I could see it. I could touch it. It was there. I was right there. These words are subjective. These are his experience. He saw and heard and touched. He's telling you what happened. They're an experience, they're they're relevant. You see, you know this. We connect with people through story. The the Bible is about 75% story. Jesus could have written down a list of things to believe and not believe, do and not do, and said, here's your list and call it a day. Sometimes I wish he had. It'd been so much simpler, it seems like to me. But yet God seems to know way more than I do, thankfully and realized that's not the best way to do it. He actually said, I want, really the Bible is one major story of God, and he brings in all these other people, the Abrahams, the Moses, the David, the Peter, the Paul, the John. He brings them in, and their stories intersect with God's story for a time, but the story is really God's story. And so I get to experience God through reading His Word. I get to experience who He is through story. And John says, This is my story. All right. I saw it. I heard it. I touched it. And then I dug in. All right. And it changed everything. Amen. It changed my life, my Amen. beliefs. I was confused about yeah. so many things. And Christ, in His gentleness explain things, and sometimes in his, not say frustration, but in his directness, said, you guys are missing this, but now I know. Now I know. All right. It's relevant, it's personal, it's a story, and it's how we connect. Yes. Yes. So let me take some of my story here. So uh, my story starts in Waycross, Georgia, southeast Georgia. I was born there. At about four years old, my dad moves out. He decides to go to Texas and get a job, supposedly. And my mom and I, and my brother, he'd just been born, move in with my grandparents. And we wait for our dad to kind of show up again. And he never does. And so my mom situated for years. But that was kind of the start of our story, or not part of our story. Because what happened was God was beginning to work in my life. My mom, I don't think, was a believer. My dad wasn't a believer for sure. But my grandmother was one of those dear old saints who just has a deep love for the Lord and for people and just said, come, you know, come stay with us. And we did. And I remember early, do- early days of my life learning to read. And my grandmother saying, come sit in my room on my bed and read the Bible to me. And I just, just flipped up into Genesis 1 and I started reading. And I would just read a chapter a night to her before going to bed and that was the beginning of God saying giving me a great love for his word and even when a few years later we actually moved out across the street, my grandparents were never more than about 200 yards from our house but across the street I would still go back to her house at night and read to her because she had instilled in me a love for God's word so even there beginning to see and to hear God's word and to see God working through his word and about nine years old, I remember uh, being in church one Sunday and one of the children's directors came and said, hey, would you mind reading a verse in one of our little programs? And I'm like, sure, I'm not, I'm in church, I'll read, it's not a big deal. And the verse was John 3.3, 3, which I did this a few weeks ago with the story of Nicodemus. And John 3.3 3 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And as a nine-year-old, that gripped my heart. That gripped my heart. I was starting to cry, and I was panicking. God, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I don't know what this means, but I want this because I don't want to go to hell, and I want to go to heaven. Now, to be honest, that's not the best motivator to be a Christian, but for a nine-year-old, it's great because the reality was it, it, that's right, it got my heart, Right? We want to come to Christ because, for Christ's sake. But I knew something was wrong. What was that? I was a sinner. I had disobeyed. I had rebelled against God, and I needed a Savior. There was no other hope unless God would rebirth me, born, raise me up, make me born again, bring me into His family. I had no hope of being with Him for eternity. Unless he saved me, unless he intervened, unless he did something, and I knew something was wrong, and I was crying, and they're like, "What's wrong?" And I'm like, "I, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell." We prayed, and I got baptized. Amen. And again, at nine years old, I don't, I didn't get everything. I don't get everything now, but at nine, I got enough. I knew something, and at that point, God was bringing me in and putting me on a path to say, "Keith, follow me." For the most part, that's what I was trying to do. And I dealt with, you know, all those issues that high school boys deal with and insecurities and all those things. And just but I wanted something. I wanted God. <laughs> and then even through, you know, even through high school, even I remember even just wrestling with this reality of feeling sometimes distant from God because I had sinned and I knew what I'd done was wrong. And sometimes even coming up to the front of the church every other Sunday and confessing my sin and redicating my life as well to the Lord. And and knowing I needed some help. I needed someone to help me. So there, and God began to do an amazing work in my life. I remember in that 12, 13 year, year, year old area, just beginning to really understand God as a father. Because my dad was gone. It was me and my mom, my brother, my grandparents were helping out a ton. My dad wasn't there. And I I remember even in those those years, someone even saying something like, oh, who's your dad or something like that. My first thought was God. That God had begun to bring into my heart this real sense that I was his child and that he would never leave. And it wasn't always easy. Obviously, the Christian life never is, really. It generally never is. You know, it's just. But there was just this sense in where God was there, and I got to college, and still wrestling with my salvation. Do I really know Him? And wondering and wondering and those lingering doubts. My sin seemed so so big. How could God really love me? I remember talking to another student, uh, a guy who was a few years older than me, and, he, and I said his name was Kevin. I said Kevin. How do you know you're a Christian? Because I think I am, and I'm, I'm trying, and I want to follow Jesus, but I just don't know. And Kevin's answer didn't make a lot of sense if you say it out loud, but he, it made sense to me that moment. He said, I just know. And he said, you should pray and ask God to begin to confirm that for you. And that's what I did. And in college, God began to really bring into my life uh, John 17. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. And that verse became a a powerful, impactful verse for my life. That the Christian life was not about getting it right or wrong. That came secondarily. It was about knowing God. About knowing God personally. About digging into who He is. And not just about God, but to know God the way john describes here i saw i heard i touched i talked to i know him you know john calls himself at the end of john the disciple whom jesus loved that's how john saw himself as someone that jesus loved what a great way to describe yourself not that, hey, I'm, a, I'm the associate pastor, or I work at this place, or I do this, or I've got this, or I've got that, or I do good things, or whatever. God loves me. That's how I want to be identified. And that's what John did. And so John, and so, and so my story just kind of followed through there as well. I spent a few years back at working where I work now, um, the, the, the camp that I work at. Um, I spent a few years in seminary, did some youth ministry there as well, uh, uh I worked as a, um, uh, at a boys' home for a couple of years, uh, working with guys that pull out of their families. Um, I did some uh, administration with a headmaster as a teacher for a little while. I've taught about 10 years. So that's who I am. If you, if you uh, cut me, I, I believe teaching or whatever. I mean, that's just it's who I am. It's my spiritual gift. It's my desire. It's my passion. is to teach people, which is what I'm doing now. Um, but I taught about 10 years as a total, third grade up to, to college, so wide range there. Um, and then I, I, I was in Kenton, America as well. And there, God began to really put on my heart the need to teach people how to say God's word. So that's who I am. <laughs> I want to know Christ, and I want to help you figure out how you can know Him, too. I want to yeah. equip you with tools and those kind of things that you can dig into God's word as well. God, look, think about this the creator of the universe. Actually, let show you here in the verse here. I'm gonna get ahead of myself a little, bit, which always happens. It says in verse uh, two, which the fa- which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, the Creator of the universe, who has no need for anything else because He is self sufficient. He is happy in Himself, but yet He chose to create people and then reveal Himself to them, and even give us promises that we can basically command God to do something for us. Isn't that weird? That God would put in our hands promises? He didn't have to tell us that stuff. He could have just always been there for us. He didn't have to say it, but He did. He promised to be there always. always. So which means you can go to God and go, God, where are you? You promised, and you don't break your promises. He gives us that kind of power. That's ridiculous. That God has said, know me. Know me personally. And it only happens through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes. He made a way for us to get back to Him. Amen. Well, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. And there's more to it, of course. Maybe you'll get to hear it later on as well. But that's kind of my story. I've got a wife back there I met in 94 at Maranook. I've got two little girls back there in the back. You're probably at this point kind of hi- sort of hiding, sort of not. Twelve and uh, eight. She'll be 13 in a few weeks. She's so excited. And eight as well. Um, two little girls. We me laugh a lot. We have a lot of fun. So that's kind of who I am. So now a question is, what's your story? If you know Jesus, you have heard, you have seen, you have touched, you have looked into you got something to share. All right. You have something to share. Amen. If you go, I've got nothing to share, then my first question is to you, are you a Christian? Do you know him? Because if you don't know him, then you, now you got nothing to share. I don't even want to hear it, right? I just don't need to know, right? If you don't know Jesus, you got nothing to share. Not really. But yet, the funny thing is, God is working even in that situation as well. Your story is. If you are a believer, it's under the hand of the sovereign God, and he will use it according to his plan to impact people in your life. You may go, well, I did this. Uh, You know, I'll throw one out there, and this is bad. I committed adultery. I messed up with my uh, husband or wife. Well, congratulations. You're coming with David, right? And David, in Psalm 51, after being uh, dealing with his sin, says, oh God, help me to teach sinners your ways. Okay. It didn't disqualify David. It did for a, a season, right? It, it, it was a wrong and he had to be dealt with and he had, there was consequences there. But he didn't stop. He said, oh, you need to understand my sin, while bad, only proves the love of God. And you need to know it too. So he took his story and he went with it. You got a story too. It could be in your mind a total disaster, but if you know Christ, it's a disaster that God will use to solve and help somebody else in their disaster. So you got a story. So here's my here's, here's my point, friends. Be careful here. You have no excuse. If you know Christ, you. Yeah. You have seen, heard, touched, and looked into enough that you can tell someone else about it. Okay? You have a story to share. You may go, I don't know a lot of stuff. I don't care. You know Jesus, and you got a story. Okay? That's what John's saying here. He's not appealing to his awesome doctrinal background in the Old Testament. He says, I saw, I touched, I heard, I looked into. Those are all words that that anyone in this room can do, my eight-year-old can do those things, okay? And has. is tried. And she can tell you pieces of her story. It's not a lot. It's eight, right? She's eight. There's, there's stuff there. What's your story? What's your story? Alright. We see that he proclaimed it. So he, look here. We'll go a little bit faster this part here. He proclaimed it. So again, in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim. What did he proclaim? He proclaimed his story. But he also proclaimed this message we're getting to in a little bit here. The nature of the message, we'll, 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 we'll jump down here. Look in verse 5. Here's his message. The message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. You see, he had an experience, he had a subjective interaction, he, he felt something, he saw something, he heard something. But those things are, again, nothing wrong. That. They're subjective. But he says, no, no, it's not just my feelings. It's not just my opinion. It's not just what I believe, and I'm sincere about it. There is an objective truth. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And it's got nothing to do with how I'm feeling today. Okay? The nature of the message, look in verse 1. It was from the beginning. It transcends time. It's before everything. It's weird. How can you be before everything? I don't understand that part. That's okay, though. All right? It's before. From the beginning. Verse uh, 2. We proclaim to you the eternal life. The nature of the message is it's eternal. It does not change. So the message you hear in 1 John... Or in John, those things don't change, friends. God is light. I know a lot of our culture loves to talk about God as love, and that's true, but it actually comes second in 1 John. 1 John 4 says God is love. The nature of the message, it says, look in verse uh, again 2, which was with the Father. This message was with the Father. And he says later on, there's this nature, there's this idea here uh, down in verse uh, 3. We're with the Father and His Son. The message is Jesus. Remember John starts off in John 1. In the beginning, very similar, was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Right? And he says, we saw Him. He walked among us. The truth of God, the Word of God, is a person, eternal. Okay. And even in First John, sorry, even in John chapter one, it talks about the light that came into the world. So John says here again, God is light. You start here, friends. You start with God is light. What's going on here? We've seen the song a while ago. You know, even in the name of Jesus, the darkness trembles, right? It runs away. It has no place. Jesus walks into the room, and there is no more darkness because he is the light. Darkness, by the way, just scientifically speaking, is actually nothing. It's the absence of something, of light. Jesus is the light. The darkness doesn't have any power. It doesn't really even kind of, it doesn't have anything. The light exposes our sin. The light reveals the truth. And John says, God is light. Yeah. Now, that also exposes our sins, as I just said. That means that God's character, his holiness, his justice are on display. Honestly, first. And actually, we get later on to John, 1 John 4, God's love. You cannot understand God's love until you understand God's light. It doesn't work that way unless you get the light first. What's going on is this. God's character, His holiness, shows that there's a standard which we have to live by. He created us and said, do this. He did so out of love, by the way. But He said, follow these standards. And we didn't. We sinned. His holiness shows us our sin, but our sin shows us the need for a Savior. And so God says, I got you. I got you. I'm going to send you one. I'm going to send my son to take away the punishment for your sin once and for all. You will understand my love better because you know how much it costs me to love you. We don't understand the true nature of God's love until we understand the nature of God's light. So the question is Have you seen the light? Have you seen the light? Has God turned on the switch? Have you understood his glory and beauty and majesty? And if you're like Isaiah in Isaiah 6, do you then tremble? Do you cower in fear? Do you worry? Do you wonder? My sin, it's destroying me. I can't be in God's presence. So that you can then hear you're forgiven. My son paid the debt. Your sin is gone. Not in part, but the whole. Nailed to the cross. You bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Have you seen that light? That's the message. Well, let's do one last point here. Why? Why? Why this message? Verse 3, he says, so. All right? So he says in verse 3, we have seen and heard, we proclaim. In other words, that's our key idea. We proclaim what we've seen and heard. Verse 3 says, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Okay? Why proclaim this message? We're told to. That's good but John says there's something better because we want others to come along. You see, friends, sometimes the most loving thing you can do is tell someone they're wrong because you can tell them where to go to find the solution. And John says, I want to tell you all that I saw and experienced. I want to share everything with you so that we can fellowship together. Do you know what evangelism is? It's wanting someone else to join you in heaven. It's going to that person saying, Friend, I'm going to go be with Jesus. I'm with Him right now. He's in my life. I want you too. It's awesome. It's great. It's hard, but it's the best. Join me. Sometimes we make evangelism so complicated. And then in verse 4, he actually says, We write these things. This is so funny to me because it it definitely doesn't sound right. We write these things so that, is it your joy? Our joy. I'm writing to you to make me happy. Well, that sounds so selfish, John. It's not selfish. Why would it make him happy? Because I want you to be happy. I want you to be happy in Jesus. I want you to know him. And doing so, telling you that makes me happy. I want you to have fellowship with us because in verse 3 he said, we fellowship with God, with the Father and the Son. I want you to join us. We're with the Father and the Son. You come join us with the Father and the Son. Best place to be. Sometimes a hard place to be, but the best place to be. And in doing so, it will actually complete my joy. See, the, the thing here is, We all want to be happy. John says, okay. You know how you can make yourself happy? Help others find the happiness that you found. Help others find Jesus. And it'll make them happy, but it'll make me happy too. Now, here's my illustration. Think about this for a minute. Think about how you've gone, uh, you know, let's say last night, and you watched some movie, okay? You saw something, you had some experience that it was super great, okay? So you saw this movie or something like that, and you come up the next day and you go, you, you got to see it. It was so good. Sorry, Willie. You got to see it, right? You got you to gotta go and experience this movie. It was so good. The plot was great, and the characters were great. The writing was great. It was such a good movie or experience, whatever it may be, right? You see the point? If you enjoyed it, it's actually the norm for you to go tell somebody else that they should enjoy it too. And honestly, in doing so, think about it, they go, oh, I went and I saw it It was so good. That makes you happy. Right? See, it wasn't selfish to want them to enjoy something. And it made you enjoy it as well. This is not complicated. I make it complicated because I don't do it very well. But this is how it's supposed to work. Why share so that they can come to fellowship with the Father and the Son and experience joy, and in doing so, He will actually fulfill my joy? Huh. I can tell you right now, I struggle in that area a ton. And I'm missing out on the joy that God has for my life when I help bring others into His kingdom. And i got to work on that one for sure. So, question. Who are you seeking to bring into that fellowship? See, it's easy as well, and I'll help you out here a little bit. It's easy as well to think about all the people you know who don't know Jesus. I'm going to suggest you think about one. Just think about one. Just think about one person that you know, doesn't know Christ. Focus there. Start there. Pray there. Be intentional. Plan. And go to that person and say, Hey, I just want to tell you what I've heard, what I've experienced. I want you to come into my life, and I want want us to just walk together. I, I, I want to get to know you so I can get to, so you can get to know me. we can work together towards Christ. Pick one. See I'm really bad about having 25 in my head and never doing any, any of them. So just pick one. Start there. Who do you know? Because I know you know somebody, family, friends, coworkers, but someone who does not know Jesus someone who has not heard and seen and touched and looked upon go find them for your own sake for your own joy and for theirs <clears throat> alright if, ha- if you know Christ you have something to share matter of fact you have the best thing possible to share to go even a further step you really have the only thing to share there is nothing else in this universe that really matters besides Christ. And if you know Him, share Him. Right? Tell others what you have seen and heard. Share your story. Tell them about how you came to Christ. Tell them about what He's doing right now. It doesn't have to be complicated or fancy. Just tell them. so for their joy for your joy and Christ even says in John for his joy Hebrews says for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame for the joy set did Jesus want to go to the cross yes and no right there was a sense where he said I don't don't know I can do this father but he said I will do this for the sake of those who will believe in my name The joy set before him. Joy set before us. Let's share our story. And if you don't know him, you got to get that story going. Let's pray, Father. Help us now to understand.